This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it's time for the Atlanta Football Party, only on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Atlanta Football Party, your home for the best Falcons football talk. It's local insight you won't get anywhere else, but right here on Locked On. I am Tanitra Batiste, and alongside me are Jarvis Davis, Aaron Freeman, and Tori McElhaney. Atlanta Football Party is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And guys, the Falcons were looking for their third win in the last four games, but instead walked away from Nashville with an L close, but didn't quite get there. The 28 to 23 loss dropped them to four and four on the season. Tori, what was your takeaway from yesterday's game? Yeah, I think this is the the takeaway for everybody, you know, is the quarterback situation. Yeah. Taylor Heineke comes in after halftime. Desmond Ritter was checked out for concussion protocol. He clears, but he doesn't return to the game. And that was a coaching decision because he was cleared medically so mm-hmm. there that that's kind of the where where things stand with that and we actually just got done talking to arthur smith um probably about an hour ago and he said he was like i promise you that we will announce who our starting quarterback is on wednesday so wednesday could be a big day because i i think it kind of at this point it can go either way and I know that, you know, Arthur Smith said that Desmond Ritter still has, even though he cleared concussion protocol in the game, there's still some tests that he has to pass again today. So there, there's a little bit of kind of an uncertainty right now around the quarterback in Atlanta. And, and Arthur Smith did say when pressed about it, he was like, you know, this is going to be the starting quarterback for Minnesota. He was like, I'm not making any grand projections as to who the starting quarterback will be for the rest of the year. He was like, but whoever is playing on Sunday has to get those reps. So we'll all come in here on Wednesday and tell you who our starting quarterback is going to be. So there, there's a little bit of uncertainty yeah. as we kind of go through this. And I, I think you can't overlook the fact that when Taylor Heineke did go in, he provided a spark for this offense that after a first half where they were down 14 to three and had 89 total net yards of offense. And I mean, you can't overlook the fact that Taylor Heineke came in, was 12 for 21 through the air, 175 passing yards, threw a touchdown. The, the Falcons put up points in all but two of the drives that Taylor Heineke was in. And and I, I personally, and I said this on our own podcast in-house, I was like, who knows what, what happens if Van Je- Jefferson makes that, for, that fourth down catch at the very end. I would have loved to have seen a Taylor Heineke two-minute drill, but obviously mm-hmm. that didn't. That didn't happen, but there's a lot of questions around the quarterback, and that's kind of where things stand right now. Yeah, and I think to your point, Tori, it is hard to overlook that because you saw him going to his second read or even his third read, and you saw him going to a Scotty Miller, so just really not always picking that kind of same person or or being so predictable, if you will. I think the only thing I wanted him to do was kind of get to the edge a little bit so they wouldn't have to get to fourth down and maybe just kind of see if he could have picked up that yard himself. But other than that, it was also a flawless game pretty much for him. So that's another thing that's hard to overlook because we know what we've seen in the eight turnovers in or the seven turnovers in the last eight quarters and the fact that we've talked about this before how the word was always desmond ritter doesn't make the same mistake twice 
but yet we're coming off the game where there were three fumbles and early on, here we go with a fumble again. And that was something that was kind of focused on uh, last week. So it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly what happens. Now, Aaron, you said for you, yes, it's the, the QB situation, but not just about the QB situation. For you, it's all positions matter. All position groups matter because the run game and the special teams, what they looked like in the first half, eh, looked a little better in the second half. Yeah, I think it's easy for people to look at the results, as Tori's talking about, with very positive results with Taylor Heineke in a game and look at the results with Desmond Ritter in a game and just assume the only thing that changed was the quarterback, and that was the thing that facilitated the offense getting going. But one of the things that I thought was interesting is in that second quarter alone, special teams was a major uh, problem for the Falcons with field position where they essentially lost 38 yards of field position simply by deciding to field multiple punts in a, in a kickoff inside the 10 yard line. And if those are touchbacks, they gain potentially 38 yards of field position. That's basically four first downs that this offense lost in the second quarter alone. And then you look at the run game and the balance that they had when Taylor Heineke came in the game, especially in the third quarter, that on those first three drives, the Falcons ran 22 offensive plays. They threw the ball 11 times. They ran the ball 11 times. They averaged almost six yards a carry on those 11 runs. Their success rate running the football was over 60%, which is a very, very good number. And then you compare that to the first 22 plays under Desmond Ritter that took five drives of them to have, and they threw the ball 15 times and ran the ball seven times, right? You didn't have that same level of balance. Uh, they did have some success on the ground, averaging a little less than four yards a carry and over 40% success rate, which is okay, not great. But I do think part of the reason why the offense clicked a lot more under Taylor Heineke is it looked like the offense, I think, you know, I certainly have been talking about it on this show the last couple of weeks, which is that sort of balanced run first type of offense that can move the chains. And then your quarterback doesn't have to do as much heavy lifting uh, in the passing game. And so I think that is also a factor. So I think regardless of who the quarterback is, whether it's Desmond Ritter, whether it's Taylor Heineke, if the Falcons can their run game and hopefully their special teams can do their jobs like they did in the second half of this game, I think whoever the quarterback is, is going to look a lot better. And maybe not in, in addition to that, it doesn't matter which quarterback it really matters who's protecting said quarterback. Right. And so Jarvis, we saw a lot of uncharacteristic things across the O-line yesterday that kind of really caught your eye and kind of had you concerned. Yeah. Like cause when you think about offensive line is probably the most, I feel like is the biggest group who have to depend on each other a lot more than maybe say, you know, maybe a cornerback or a wide receiver. A lot of those times those guys are kind of in their own worlds and, and making sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing as far as running the routes and all that stuff and having a report with the quarterback. But when it comes to the offensive line, like there's other parties involved, tight ends, uh, fullbacks, you know, even running backs as well. And it was just seems like everybody just couldn't get on the same page. One particular, one particular play, um was when they had action with going with B. John Robinson and Keith Smith uh going off to the left. It was play action. And then uh Desmond Ritter kind of rolled out to his right. And Keith Smith, there was no leakage up, up front. Everybody had held it down and do whatever and did whatever they were supposed to do. But you decide to leave Jeffrey Simmons unblocked. And then when you saw that there was no leakage, you scanned the field. And you still didn't see this 6'5", 340-pound man with a dead eye on your quarterback. And you didn't realize it until he had passed you. And then Desmond really didn't have anything to do 
but to eat the football. Now, granted, he did. He may have had some time to throw it, but I just feel like you're, you're not helping your quarterback out when you do stuff like that because Keith Smith has been in the league for quite some time. He's a vet. Like, you understand, like, okay, here's the protection. I was supposed to go this way. There's no leakage. I'm cool. No, at some point, you got to play football. And you got to use your awareness to say, you know what? Jeffrey Simmons could possibly get there. He could put his hands on Desmond Ritter in order for this play uh, and, and stop what we're trying to do on this particular play. So, yeah, it, it's just little things like that. And they was able to correct it in the half, right? Because they ran the same exact play. This time, Keith Smith, he went to the went to the right and tried to cut the defensive end down. It was Harold Landry at this point. And he, he missed him, but he still was able to get something on him. This, because he wanted to give his quarterback extra time, get put him in a, a situation to where he can be successful, and I just like feel like he didn't do that, and it was just so too, so many times where everybody had a protection right and everything like that, and then you got Caleb McGarry getting beat off the off the line of scrimmage. It was just too many instances where these guys were just aren't they just aren't, weren't on the same page, and you just. Saw it just come through all aspects of the game, right on the defensive side of football. You had some some blown some blown coverages, and then on special teams, like Aaron mentioned, it was just so many things that we're not used to seeing Marquise Williams Marquise Williams unit look like play like that. And for Mike Hughes to make the decision that he did, like you just hurt your team tremendously. You literally almost put this punter in the doggone Hall of Fame. <laughs> you know, they were giving this dude all the honor and the glory and the praises and everything for being, have punting a great game. Now, granted, he did, but I promise you the conversation or the narrative would have been different if you wanted to just let those balls just bounce into the end zone and Keith Smith as well. So it was just too many, too many elements in this, this game that, that really basically put a stamp on this game to say, you know what? They just didn't have it that day and it was going to be really hard to climb out of the hole. Even with the success that Taylor Heineke had in the second half, he still wasn't able to still overcome it. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was one of those situations, like you said, that there were just too many kind of subpar performances to get over the hump. Now, we're going to deep dive on this game. We're going to continue talking about it next. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about eBay Motors. So our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week, Jameer Gibbs. He's coming off his biggest game as a pro. He's a local product, too, by the way. 11 rushes for 68 yards and a touchdown, nine catches for 58 yards. And with David Montgomery already ruled out for tonight's game, Gibbs' momentum could indeed carry over to tonight's game. And it's go he's going against a Raiders defense that gives up the ninth most rushing yards per game, 129 to be exact. Gibbs could set season highs in rushing attempts tonight. Now, Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a pererfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive 
at ebaymotors.com, just like I did when I had to get brakes out of nowhere and needed to get the parts quickly and at an affordable price for my mobile mechanic. And also, just like I talked about the LED headlights, the bumpers, the roof rack, They've got some really nice seat covers that you might want to check out in case you don't want to do all that cleaning if you have cloth seats. So don't forget eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, guys, let's get back into it. Upon further review, we want to know if you are confident or concerned. Now, the worst fear was realized for the Falcons. We were talking about it pre-show, and it was something that even tugged at our heartstrings because He's the heart and soul of this Falcons, not just this Falcons defense, but this Falcons team overall. So, of course, we got the news and Arthur Smith confirmed at his press conference today that Grady Jarrett indeed suffered a torn ACL in Sunday's game and is likely out for the season. And when you look at just his work, his version of Iron Man, right, in nine seasons through 135 games, all with the Falcons, Grady's only missed three, two due to injury. LaCale London, who subbed in for Grady, he also got injured. He was able to return to the game, but you have to think that this now puts Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith in a decidedly different situation than they were in a little over 24 hours ago, right? But first, before we start talking about kind of where the duo goes with the trade deadline looming, let's talk about Grady Jarrett. And Aaron, when you think about Grady on and off the field, what do you feel like is the mo- the thing that the Falcons are going to be- miss most not having him particularly on the field? Well, I, you know, I think I you can't even quantify like what yeah. Grady means off the field for the team and in the locker room. But I think in terms of just purely on the football field, while Grady hasn't been putting up the numbers that we've seen him do in previous years this year, I still think the way that you kind of think about Grady Jarrett is like in the fourth quarter – if you needed to get a stop, if you if you needed to get a bucket, right, to, to use a basketball analogy, Grady was one of those guys that you counted on that could go out there and get you a bucket. Even if he's not scoring as many points, the continue the basketball analogy, as he used to, like you still trusted that guy in the final minutes to take the shot uh, in order to, to make the play. And I think that's really going to be the thing that the Falcons are going to miss. And it's going to be up to probably veterans like David Onyemata and Calais Campbell to have to sort of fill that role. Obviously, they've had a lot of success in this league so they're not strangers to sort of carrying that mantle but you know having Grady as that guy is, is certainly I think something that's gonna be sorely missed yeah and so disappointing because I mean they were really really catching fire that that front was really catching fire so that is disappointing but for you Tori you know what does it mean how do you feel like the Falcons will miss uh, Grady the most yeah, so I think what's really interesting is if this injury happens to Grady Jarrett, and this is not to minimize anything. I think not having Grady Jarrett completely changes the way the offensive coordinators look at this defensive front. I mean, it, you know, how, we have seen Grady Jarrett be double and triple teamed yeah. time and time and time again. This mm-hmm. Not having him on the field changes things. It just does. So this is not to minimize it, but – I will say because of the resources and the money that has been pumped into this defensive front over the course of this offseason, I do think that this injury to Grady Jarrett is not an absolute bomb dropped on this defense in a way that it would have been in 2020, in 2021, in 2022. I do think because you like what Aaron said about having David Onyemata, having Calais Campbell, Bud Dupree, Lorenzo Carter, I mean, all of the, Taquan Grant coming back along. I mean, 
there is depth there that hasn't been there and not just depth, but productive veteran presence, which if you were to lose Grady Jarrett last year, how different would you, yeah. you, you would feel the, that impact mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. I'm not saying that you're not going to feel that impact of Grady Jarrett not being on the field. You are, there, there's no replacing a guy like Grady Jarrett. That's just the facts of it. But it makes the blow not feel like a bomb being dropped on this yeah. defense. It, it, the, this blow feels like a gut punch for mm-hmm. sure. And you absolutely hate it for someone like Grady Jarrett, but it's a gut punch. You can recover from it. You, I don't think you could have recovered from this if we're talking about this defensive front last year. I just don't. And I do think that's a testament to this front office going out, getting a guy like David Onyemata to, to, feel, to, to make you feel differently about this defensive front. And, heck, there's a trade deadline coming up on Tuesday. Who's the, I, I do feel like there are a ton of options open for the Falcons, especially knowing that Grady Jarrett is, is likely out for the season. I mean, Arthur Smith said that. So – you have some options and you have you have money to play with. You have draft capital to play with. If you really feel like you need somebody right now, go yeah. get them. Yeah. And Jarvis, kind of piggybacking on what Tori said, and I want to hear from you as well about your thoughts on what the Falcons will miss without Grady. But also, I'm going to swing this to you and then I'll swing back to you, Aaron. But first, Jarvis, that's my A question. And then my B question is to piggyback off of what Tori said in terms of what the most viable options are to replace Grady? Oh, well, start with, I think Aaron put it, uh, um, um, put it perfectly. When you think about what Grady has brought to this team, stability, consistency, and that's one thing that we haven't seen with this defense until this year, right? Until they dropped, had the assets and, you know, um, to be able to drop into this defense, you see what he can, uh, what is, uh, what a, um, what having salary cap space can do, you know, uh, for you as a team. So I, I think that, but the thing that he brings to the table that is going to be missed for me, I really feel like that disruption, that, that just that, just having it just and, and know that it's going to pop off at any point. We might not see it as much as we used to in his earlier years, but just what nine, seven brings to the table it's just, it's it's different. It's it, you just know he's there. He's almost like God. Let me. I, I hate to, I hate to, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like he, he might, he might not act like he's not there, but he's there. I promise you, he's there. He's there, watching, waiting, and doing and doing, and ready to pounce on anytime you need him. And I think that Grady Jarrett kind of exemplifies that. So, and it's just unfortunate now because we've seen how David Yamada has been just. That dude has just been nasty these past few games. Like, I don't know if people have been re- recognizing, but Alyamata has been really turning, ramping it up. And it's just unfortunate to see his tag team partner go down because essentially, if you look at it from how, how we saw Grady last year, it's like, okay, is Alyamata now going to be the only guy being able to draw double teams? Is he going to be the only guy to be able to, you know, uh, the teams are going to be worried about and not have to worry about anybody else when it comes to uh, that run defense or when it's time to throw the football. Okay, all we got to do is worry about 90. We can double team him and then we'll just figure it out with the, uh, for the rest of the defensive line on, on the Falcons. So, yeah, th- those are questions I have. And as far as re- replacement goes, I really feel like coming into, and I even tweeted this out yesterday, I'm saying 
that I already felt like Terry Fontenot was was going to be picking up the phone. And, and we got the report that they reportedly offered a third-round pick for Montez Sweat, um, according to uh, Pro Football Talk. So I think that Terry Fontenot was already on that path. I really feel like there's a little bit more sense of urgency. I like what I've been seeing for Taquan Graham. I don't know if he's going to be the guy that said to come in and, and essentially replace Grady Jarrett. We know that's a big, those are big shoes to fill, but I'm, I'm assuming that they were already looking for pass rush help on the edge. Now, hey, now it's all about them going out and seeing what type of defensive tackle help they can have. But I do believe that, hey, they can get a nice solid rotation up front on that de- in that defensive tackle spot with the guys that you already have on the roster. But if I do there is a, a part of me that believes that Terry Fontenot, if he finds the right deal for the right guy, I really, I truly wholeheartedly believe they're going to bring him in. And I think to add to that, mm-hmm. you know, Arthur Smith was asked about it and he did say, he was like, we're having conversations before Grady Jarrett, anything ever happened to me before we ever Indeed. even knew that status. So yeah. I, I think you're definitely on the right track where it's like, these are conversations that have been going on, but maybe now that Grady Jarrett is probably going to head to IR soon. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of adds a little bit of a push and a little bit of extra it's incentive, incentive to go and get that done. Yeah. And this is a good opportunity for, and uh, Jarvis, you mentioned TQ, but this is a good opportunity, even if it's on a rotational basis, for him to kind of show that he's getting back to that TQ that we saw before the injury last season. So, again, he wouldn't be a one-to-one or apples-to-apples replacement for Grady, but could possibly be in that rotation. But to Tori's point, Aaron, Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot, they've been on the phones before that injury happened. And it's actually a good thing too, Tori, because we saw a couple people go down uh, yesterday. Thankfully, they came back to the game, but it did kind of make you concerned like, uh oh, you know, are we going back to that space that, you know, the Falcons have had happen to them twice in the last three years? And so, Aaron, I think that begs the question of obviously this would be the most important position, but do you see anything else out there where you're like, okay, they should probably be on the phones for this position too. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's funny cause I already thought they should have been looking for D tackle help because they sort of churned the back end of that spot. And it was like, let's find guys that can keep Grady and David on fresh for hopefully a playoff push down the stretch so that those guys don't run out of gas by the time we get to December and, you know, you've seen sort of LaCale London sort of step up in recent weeks, but it was already like an idea of like, hey, let's go out and get somebody that can even do more than that. And now with Grady Jarrett going down, like that becomes more of a priority. Jarvis mentioned, you know, Montez Sweat. Mm-hmm. I think you can think of the idea, the idea of adding Montez Sweat makes a lot, a lot more sense now uh, because you can plug him in at edge rusher and then maybe that kicks Calais Campbell inside, right? Um, and so now you can have Calais Campbell sort of stepping in and and sort of taking some of that slack. So you're not putting it all on TQ. You're not putting it all on LaCale London. Uh, it also means that if that were to happen, whether you get Montez Sweat or somebody like that, like maybe that means Zach Harrison now needs to step up and do a little bit more and approaching the point in the season where we often talk about rookies hitting that rookie wall. Like now you kind of need Zach Harrison to kind of break through that wall and play better down the stretch. So I think internally the Falcons are expecting some of these younger players to step up, but obviously externally there are options. Kentavious Street for the Philadelphia Eagles was a player that I mentioned to Jarvis uh, last couple of weeks as someone who's kind of buried on that Eagles D-line rotation because, you know, they, they got all the dudes. Um, all and, of them. 
and he's got familiarity with Ryan Nielsen from his days in New Orleans as well as NC State, and he has the versatility to kind of play wherever you kind of need him in the same ways that we've talked about players like Calais Campbell and, and others. So I think there are options for the Falcons that they can um, – you know, externally bring in more help, but I also think internally they're going to count and rely heavily on some of these other, especially some of the young guys, uh, to step up and, and really help fill the void. And that's only going to strengthen this D line into the future, mm-hmm. so that you know you'll feel better. Like you know, all these twenty-five year olds, we're, we're sort of relying on the thirty-year-olds right now. But like, you want to see these twenty-three, twenty-five-year-old guys start to step up and, and be guys that can be fixtures here in the long term. Yeah. And I was thinking, too, it's a good thing to have uh, to b- piggyback off your point. It's an embarrassment of riches in a good way, because the last couple of years had things like this happen. There would be a panic because there was nowhere to go, not internally, not externally because of the salary cap. But now there's some room for Terry and Arthur to play with. So uh, not as as, ter- uh, as Tori mentioned, not as dire a situation as it could have or would have been in past years. Now, more after this. But first, Jarvis will give you the deets on DoorDash and then he'll give you intel on subtext. Folks, Jarvis Davis here for DoorDash. Guess what, guys? Were you sitting there in that Falcons game and saying, you know what? I am so hungry and I am so frustrated with what how this game is going. I need me some wines. So guess what, guys? You can go to DoorDash. Go to DoorDash right now. You can order pizza, wings, sodas, burgers, or even just buns on DoorDash and get all, all delivered to your door without even missing the game. I'm telling you, all you got to do is wait for the commercial break to go get it because they'll leave it right there at your doorstep, man. You could tell them all the instructions. They can put it on top of your house if you wanted to. You know, just let, them, let, the, let the delivery driver know and make sure you tip them too because, you know, that's a lot to be asking for. But, yeah, guys, I need you to go to DoorDash right now. And you're going to get 50% off up to ten a $10 value when you spend $15 or more in your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. That's LOCK23. And also, when you think about watching the game and you're just sitting right there and you're just doing a thing and you're just looking at the, the team and your team is not playing well. I mentioned the Falcons earlier. You know, they had some issues, guys. I'm telling you, DoorDash will solve all your issues. They will make your day much, much easier. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to DoorDash, to the DoorDash app and download that bad boy and enter the code LOCK23. And it's going to get you 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download that app and drop the code LOCK23. That's code LOCK23, L-O-C-K-E-D-2-3. Subject to change, terms apply. Now, guys, do you want to become a Locked On Sports Atlanta insider? Yes, Jarvis, I would love to become a Locked On Sports Atlanta insider. So here's what you need to do. I need you to go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta. Joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta. What do you get with being an insider? You get access to my thoughts. I know you guys, you know, are just chomping at the bit to get there. Like, yeah, and I got everything you need. And also for all the little special people that sign up, I'm going to give you some all 22 review. Yeah, I'm about to empty my brain with all the football thoughts that I have about the Atlanta Falcons or be the Georgia Bulldogs, all that stuff, guys. All I got to do, go to joinsubtext.com slash locked on sports Atlanta. Joinsubtext.com slash locked on sports Atlanta and become a locked on sports Atlanta insider today. 
Well, guys, one domino has fallen. Looks like Leonard Williams is taking his talents to the West Coast. He was traded just moments ago. Obviously, it'll be official, official uh, tomorrow afternoon, but he is headed to the Seahawks. So that's one edge guy gone off the board, if you will. But I can understand because when you look at the draft capital that the Seahawks gave up to get him, I don't think that's something that Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith would want to do nor need to do and tie themselves up with not having some high round draft picks in 2024 and 2025. But that said, I got three rapid fire questions for you guys. First, Jarvis, John Robinson, seven scored his first rushing NFL touchdown or NFL rushing touchdown. He just pointed to the sky to give thanks to God. And you know him, he kept it moving real humble, but what end zone dance, if it were you getting your first rushing touchdown in the NFL, which one would you have done or would you wanted to see from him? I don't know. Like, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is my getting my belly dance, you know, kind of getting in that, you know, roll around a little bit, rub on my stomach and all that stuff, you know, maybe pull my shirt up and show my stomach, you know what I'm saying? To do my whole bone crusher um, impersonation, you know, that's kind of like my spirit animal. I don't know if y'all know Tori and uh, I, I love me some bone crusher back in my college days. Like I, I may or may not have taken my shirt off in the club, you know, when that song came on outside the club. Yes. So yeah, yeah. That's what I would have done. I would have given my belly dance. I think that would have been a, a strong choice if I would scored a touchdown in the NFL. It's the NFL. It's the league. Like I'm getting paid to play football. Lots of money. Come on now. I'm about to act a fool with it. Let's go. And some of the dances, Tori, are just hilarious. Like they're choreographed. Yeah. And sometimes an entire position group will come down and do the choreography with the person who scores. But what would you do if you had the chance to do a touchdown dance? I mean, I guess, I don't know. I'm kind of with Bajan. I'm not really like, well, I don't know if Bajan's into dancing, but like, I'm kind of just like subtle. I would just do maybe do like a little curtsy or a little bow and just like get out of there. Like nice. I I don't want anyone looking at me dancing. Just period. <laughs> I don't want I don't want anyone to see me do that. I ever in my life. So if I score a touchdown and all the cameras and all the eyes are on me, there ain't no way dancing. <laughs> if we want to catch you dancing we better pull up to us to a taylor swift concert right that's the only place and, and <laughs> if you can find me amongst all the taylor all the swift Swifties, like all right. the swifties then you know good on you and you deserve to watch me like have my moment with taylor swift but other yeah. than that that's it <laughs> i'm not doing it anywhere else and I got a feeling that I'm about to be 0 for 2 because I feel like, or 1 for 3 because I feel like Free is going to say, not in this lifetime. No, no, that's uh, that if if we're playing the game and yes. I can fantasize about being a professional oh, yeah, football no. player, like yeah. I'm, I'm also fantasizing about me having all the athletic ability in the world. So I'm probably like popping backflips. I'm doing like the worm. I'm doing... <laughs> All types of crazy break dancing and stuff like that. Yes. So yes. that's what I would do. But like, if if I'm Bijan, like you know, because the Falcons were down at that point, and you know, Bijan's all business. Like, okay, well, let's yeah. get the ball in zone. Let's go back and get another score. So I'm thinking Bijan, you know, he can do a little bit of something since he's all business. Like maybe like adjust a, a pretend tie or something like that, and just like oh, toss God. the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, solid. Yeah, he's gonna roll. Strong. So it's just like, yeah, I'm I'm all business. This is this is normal to me. It's just right. another. Day in the weekday. Day in the that, that may be something that Bijan can do. I like. That. I like that. So yeah, I'm just going to withdraw my uh, option to twerk. Okay, I'll let that go. We'll just go on with the business. <laughs> okay. Yep. We're gonna move right along. Okay, too. <laughs> New, New Jersey gonna come out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> New Jersey, New Orleans, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> they like I don't exist for the next week because I'm going home. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't exist for the next week. <laughs> you don't know. Wow. Me. 
<laughs> so who's your one guy who needs to be that next guy to step up for the Falcons to get back in the win column Sunday when they take on the Vikings? Story, who's your guy? I mean, whoever's starting at quarterback. Next question. Yes. Whoever is under I mean, that's the thing. It's like if it's Desmond Ritter, it's like okay, like you have a you have a shot here. Like let's see what you can do with it. Right. It's Taylor Heineke. Let's make let's see if that second half against the Titans. Let's let's see if it was a fluke or not. So you know like. Either way, whoever it is, Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke, that, that's who I've got next. How about you, Free? Who, who you got next? Well, I'm looking at the Vikings. I know they're down Justin Jefferson. I know they're down Kirk Cousins. I, you know, I would love to say my guy Jordan Addison is the guy you got to stop from Pitt, but um, I think it's TJ Hawkinson that you got to stop. So I feel like it's going to be a group effort from this entire defense, but I'm looking at you, Richie Grant, because you gave up that touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins, and I, I need you. You made a, a nice pass breakup on another deep ball. I need more plays like that yeah. you know, going up against TJ Hawkinson this week than the, the touchdown you gave up to DeAndre Hopkins. So, Richie Grant, I, I need you to step up. I got you. Yeah, because at this point, I don't need to see Richie Grant doing faking or believing in that fake double move. Like, come on, Rich. You gave Dean Pease a shout-out last week and said he was the, that guy – do you think that guy would have been pleased with that? All right, Jarvis, who's your one next guy? Let so, uh, and I think you might know where I'm going with this one. Uh, we haven't mentioned him all show. Uh, Mr. Bates, sir, the third. I need <laughs> you to step so up, sir. That. I yeah. can't have you falling for the same stuff that Richard Grant's falling for. You're an all-pro safety. Like, you're the man. You're the $16 million man, man. I, You've shown me that. And I'm saying that because those are my expectations that you've set for me. Like, as I watch you, I need you to be that guy. I need him to be that guy. Jesse Bates, I need you to be that guy. See, I got his name right, Aaron. Yeah, I need, I need you to be that guy, Jesse. Sorry. I need you to step up, sir. Let's do it. Let's do it. Whoever's at that quarterback spot, because it's going to be somebody who's not as good as Kirk Cousins. So, I need you to take advantage of that, sir. There we go. Indeed. And all I need Van Jefferson to do is catch the damn ball. <laughs> Moving right along. Last question for you guys before we wrap up. Jarvis, who's under center for the, the Falcons this coming Sunday? Uh, initially, I thought, given how you know Arthur Smith responded in the postgame press conference, I thought it was going to be Desmond Ritter because he's saying it wasn't performance-based. But now, after hearing him saying, hey, we'll make a decision, we'll figure it out on Wednesday, I'm just like, okay, it might be Taylor Heineken. It might be Taylor Heineken. I feel like. All right, Tori, give us your best guess at who you here's, think it'll be. Here's the thing. I work for the team, so I don't think That's that it. I can give, like, a, a name to you guys. But yes. what I will say is, like, whoever you feel, like, can win you the game, mm -hmm. play them. Love doesn't it, matter who it. it is. Whoever you think gives you the best opportunity to go and win the game, That's who you. That's, that's who you put under center. Free, where are you thinking they're going? Yeah, I went to bed last night thinking it was going to be Desmond Ritter, but – like Jarvis said, like today, uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of a coin toss. It's 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 leaning in the direction of of sort of Taylor Heineke. But I guess just to be different, I'll I'll stick with Desmond Ritter, and we'll see what happens. Just to be different, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's giving confusion, utterly confusion, up until uh, Wednesday. Thanks for stopping by the Atlanta Football Party, your home for the best Falcons football talk, and the party continues. Tuesday, where we'll talk dogs on the Atlanta Football Party. We'll see you tomorrow.